This episode is brought to you by Priceline Pharmacy. Growing up in my early teens and entering into my 20s, I had a story that I was really, really dumb. And this came from failing high school. This came from a stepdad telling me all the time how stupid I was. So I had a story that I would never be able to study. I'd never be able to make anything of myself. So I don't even try. And that story really held me back. Money definitely takes away stress, which can help with your happiness. But I think happiness is just such an inside choice. It's something every single day that I push to find joy. You can always find a lesson in something too. And if you can find a lesson, that's your gift. Life is happening for you, not to you. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Welcome back, lovely neighborhood. I can't believe it's November already. Oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into our first anniversary episode last week. I hope you had as many chuckles as we did. You can see the Play TA is well and truly alive for the Davidsons. I'm excited to be back this week with another incredible guest whose name I'm sure you've heard before, but who, like many of our guests, has so much more depth than their surface level media portrayal might suggest. You know, I love peeling back the layers of a well-known name to explore the lesser-known parts of who they are underneath, and Ashy Bynes got right on board for a juicy, thought-provoking chat. Ashy's huge success in the health and fitness world, with a community of millions and now several businesses under her belt, belies her humble beginnings on dairy farms the same way that her energetic positivity and confidence belies the negativity and narratives thrust upon her in early life. Having followed her for many years now, I'd heard some of her story, but she is stronger and more resilient than I ever knew and so generous in sharing her experiences with trolling, body image and motherhood, so that others might might feel less alone and better equipped for their own journeys. I'll let her tell you the rest and we cover a lot of ground with so many nuggets that I hope you find as useful as I did. We recorded this one before the restrictions in Victoria eased a bit, so ignore those references. Of course, back then, that's all I could talk about. (laughs) But I hope you guys enjoy as much as I did. Beautiful Ashy, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm actually so excited to chat with you today because I love chatting to you on my podcast. So now we get to do the opposite. It's so exciting. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun and such an honor to join you on your show. And we had such a juicy chat. (laughs) As you know, I've loved following your journey for so many years now, and I couldn't believe you'd even heard of Seize the A, let alone being keen to jump on the show. (laughs) I was like, are you sure you want to have me on here? I'm so nervous and excited. There's a lot of mutual fangirls going on guys. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Well, I usually start with a little icebreaker, as you know, but I've added another one just because 2020 has been such a (laughs) shitstorm. I think we all forget to just check in with each other and simply ask, how are you going? Mm -hmm. Of course, we will come to your brand new book, 15 Lessons That Changed My Life, which is absolutely incredible. But something that really struck me right at the front, I think it was maybe even on page five, was that you're not defined by your problems, but by your response. 
pounds, which has totally carried me through this entire year. So how are you? How are you responding? How are things going? Well, as we were talking before you push record, um, I'm in Queensland. So we obviously have things a lot easier than what you do in Victoria. I can't even imagine what you guys are going through. When the whole COVID thing struck, I suppose, it was definitely a shock to the system. I think I had about a week where I was just freaking out. Personally, with my son, business, I was just like, what is going to happen? The unknown is so scary. And not that we ever fully have control, but Mm. I spent about a week just being like, what the hell are we going to do? But once I kind of got my head around it, that I have to let go, like I have to surrender to this and what can I control? What, what, what can I take control and how can I pivot and make this work? I've got to find new ways. And I, I do secretly love a challenge. I love kind of being pushed out to my comfort zone to find new ways to do things because then I just learn more. And the more I learn, the more I can teach. And I love teaching and helping my audience with anything. So this year has been a really challenging year emotionally for me, but because COVID, I feel like it forced me to slow down and everything that I'd been pushing down and suppressing came up to surface and I've actually done the work and I'm working through a lot of things that I've suppressed for years because I've been too busy. It's been challenging, but I've really, I'm really grateful for it. I found a lot of gratitude in it. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. And I think that's something that really stands out about you in your book, but also in everything that you do. You're really open about doing the work. And obviously, you know, there's a a lot of positivity. And I think we both kind of identify as positivity pandas. (laughs) We really like to look for the silver linings and portray a really grateful, appreciative view on life. But that doesn't involve not having problems. It just involves being able to process them and deal with them. And you do that. You take us along on the ride which I really like. You don't come out months later and sort of announce it, you know, retrospectively. You share it in the moment and I think that's really lovely. 100%. Like we were saying before, like the work never stops. As soon as you think you've nailed something, a new challenge arises and you're like, oh, okay, let's see how to work this out. And I I do love being really authentic and sharing the ups and downs because I think that's that's really relatable and provides connection and we're all starving for more authenticity and connections. If I can provide that, then yeah, that's, that's my goal daily. Oh, so good. And that leads perfectly to the actual icebreaker, which, as you know, is asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them. And I think even for people like you who are really good at sharing all sides of the story and definitely not just the highlights, it still can be really easy to forget that underneath even a really relatable surface, you're still a human, you're a mom. there's lots of stuff you don't share. Even if we see relatable things, they might not be what you think is the most down-to-earth thing about you. So what would you say is something really normal about you? Um, really normal. It's such a funny question. I feel like I, the most humbling thing about myself, I think, is that I don't ever forget where I came from. I didn't just land where I am today. I didn't come from money and I've really worked hard to get to where I am today. And I never am one to show up and say, I have all the answers and I'm perfect. And that's why I share all the ups and downs because I think it's so relatable to be following people or to be around people that are owning their shit and figuring out ways to get through it. And I love that whole journey. I never want to sugarcoat anything or pretend that I'm perfect because I'm not. It's not reality. Um, so online and offline, that's it's exactly who I am in real life as well. Yeah, I think that's really important to never forget where you came from and always have an appreciation for those earlier times. And that's actually where I always start. The first section of every episode is your way TA, which is pretty much tracing back from your childhood and your earliest times because people often walk into your life now at this chapter and might forget that you've had periods of finding a path and losing it and finding it again or finding a new one. I love that you try and really keep where you came from and those strong roots present in your story because 
because it is so easy to forget that you didn't just wake up one day and have it all made and have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And I think what's amazing about the digital world is it does allow people who didn't come from money or didn't come from already having a position of influence to build an incredible community and to share that message. But it does also make it easy to forget that lots of people did start from those humble beginnings. So take us back to that time. Tell us about young Ashy. What were you like as a child? What did you think you wanted to be? Yeah, it's cool that we can talk about going back to the beginning because it's nice to even reflect on that. And if someone comes to my page now, you know, they do really just see this highlight reel of photos. I mean, taking it way back, I I was brought up in New Zealand with my mum and um, a stepfather. My real father actually left when I was really, really young. So I don't actually know him, which is also a really powerful part of my story and has been really I've got so much, so much gratitude for that experience. That's another whole story. Um, <laughs> we grew up in New Zealand, then moved to Australia. I've always loved being super active. I grew up on dairy farms, riding motorbikes. I've loved animals, always had a passion to help. And that's, I think, fast forward to now, being active and helping people, that's always been a core of who I am. And that's in everyday life, that's in my career, that's online, like bringing those together has really shaped who I am today. And when my mom used to ask when I was younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I used to say, I just love helping people, but I also love, I love moving my body. I love dancing. I love being active. So being able to combine those in a career has been really, really cool. It's also really cool that I think in our generation in particular, the jobs that we have now didn't necessarily exist at the time we first started thinking about what jobs were, but by the time we actually got there, it was a possibility, which is something no generation before has really faced. Like they've never faced such a drastic change from the time they started thinking about their future to the time they got there. So back then, what kind of jobs did you think that might translate to? Like, I'm sure this was not in in the list of possibilities. Well, like I said, I loved animals. So I actually wanted to own a dog wash and wash dogs. (gasps) (laughs) I've always had Labradors and I see you've got a retriever. I've always loved dogs. So I thought that would be a fun career. But then I wanted to be a police officer as well. I wanted to be able to help rescue people and help people. So that was always on the agenda. But um ended up being obviously more on the fitness path. But they were the two things that growing up I thought I would I would want to do. Oh, my God. That is yeah. amazing. <laughs> so you'd be a cop by day and just, like, wash people's dogs by night. What a life. Wash people's dogs just for passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> so then what path you did obviously end up starting was more down the fitness sort of pathway, getting your PT certification, like a decade ago now. So very, very early on before it became as trendy, obviously, as it is now. I love that so often you can look back to your childhood and find so many clues and everything starts to make sense about where you end up eventually. But at the time, what made you choose that qualification? What made that your first step? There's a few reasons. Obviously, I loved helping people. I love fitness. So when I met my husband, Steve, he'd been a personal trainer for 10 years. Back then, it was quite a rare, he's nine years older than me. It was quite a rare career choice. Like it wasn't yeah, as glamorized, as popular as what it is now. Um, so watching him run boot camps and be able to help people with their health and fitness, I was just like, wow, that is what I want to do. But at the time, I was working in retail jobs. And long story cut short, growing up in my early teens and just as a kid and entering into my 20s, I had a story that I was really, really dumb. And this came from failing high school. This came from a stepdad telling me all the time how stupid I was. So I had a story that I would never be able to study. I'd never be able to make anything of myself. So I don't even try. And that story really held me back from trying, um, which was really sad. So 
I actually got fired from my retail job. <laughs> I came into work one day and this we had this new boss for about two weeks. I'd been there for over a year and my old boss loved me. This new boss said, I just don't have the hours for you anymore, so I'm letting you go. There was no <gasps> reason. There was nothing. It was obviously very traumatic for a 20-year-old that really like lived to week to week, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because being fired, I was like, what am I going to do now? And my husband had applied for government funding for me to go and do my personal training course. Amazing. So <laughs> getting fired like was the best thing that ever happened to me. If I hadn't been fired, would I ever have gotten the courage to let go of that old story that I was too dumb to take a chance and go and get my qualifications? It took me a while. It took me three goes of the final exam to pass. So that story that I kept playing in my head that I was so dumb, I was so dumb, I was so dumb, it was hard to work through that. But that in itself has been a blessing as well. It's really helped me, you know, step into that, lean into that and work on that. So yeah, getting fired, watching my watching Steve do what he does, and then just my core reason of wanting to, my core pull to want to help people in a way of building a healthy, solid foundation with their life. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And see, I think this is the stuff that even if you do talk about it every now and then, it's not necessarily the story people hear first because so much has happened since then. But this is so fascinating to hear. I don't think anyone seeing you now very confident and having done the work, the first thought wouldn't be that you had this incredibly mm. negative narrative about yourself for so much of the start of your life. So it's an incredibly inspiring and reassuring story that you can break neural loops about how you feel about yourself with enough work. Yeah. But also that I often say beautiful new beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. And mm. especially in this year where a lot of people might have lost their jobs, been made redundant, maybe been fired or just had certain chapters end really abruptly, that it can be the time where the clean slate is maybe the best thing you've ever had, even if it's painful for a little while. 100%. And sometimes I think we don't see it straight away. We might It might take us a couple of years. It might take us 10 years. Even relationships ending or friendships ending or, yeah, losing your job. You might not know straight away, but in a year's time or five years' time, like, I promise you will look back and say, thank goodness that happened. If that didn't happen, I wouldn't have met this person. If that didn't happen, I wouldn't have had this opportunity. If that led me to here, that's where we've got to find gratitude in those hard, challenging times. Getting fired at 19 Ooh, that was and that was the second job I'd actually been fired for fired from in my life. So all those stories and self-doubt and self-sabotage were just like sitting there. But if that didn't happen, who knows, would I be here speaking to you today? Maybe not. Yeah, that's why I'm so fascinated by this concept of sliding doors moments because but for one tiny thing, your story could have been completely different. Mm -hmm. And also in that moment, it was like a fork in the road. You did have two choices. You could have kept strengthening that narrative and just kept going on with that life where you held yourself back from everything because you were totally consumed by self-doubt. Or you could choose to use that as a fire to be like, I'm going to go ahead and make a different path for myself anyway, and I'm going to prove you all wrong. <laughs> but another reason why I love going through this from the beginning is I think we're such an instant gratuity focused society and it's made us want, you know, when we decide I'm going to do my PT qualification, you want two days later to have this massive community and have made a life and a career out of it. <laughs> we want it all to happen overnight, but I think it's so important to remember everyone starts from scratch. Love that. Everyone starts from zero and you literally started from getting your PT certification without knowing that it would go well at all, but you did it anyway. So the quote I always say, and everyone's heard me bang on about it a 
million times, but you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Mm. You don't take the lift to the end, otherwise, you know, what's the point? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, you've now propelled to a brand and community of 5 million people, but I'm sure you never expected that it could grow that big. So what were your wildest expectations back then? What did you think it would lead to? I imagine this has surpassed even your wildest dreams. 100%. I mean, back when I started, the online world wasn't as big as what it was. It's actually the 11th year Instagram has been around and I started 11 years ago on Instagram. I had no expectations at age 19. I lived in a world of fear. If I could pay my bills, I was happy. Mm. And if I could show up every day for one person at the PT session, I was happy. If I could just make one little impact that helped their day be better, I was happy. So I, I really had a low baseline for my life. but um, So I didn't have any expectations and I never thought Instagram, I mean, who, it was so new. I was on there sharing photos, sharing transformations, sharing a bit of what I was up to. I was like, this is really cool, this app that shares beautiful photos and fun moments. But what I really soon realized was how much connection came from Instagram. And I was I was quite big on Facebook back then. Facebook was a lot bigger than Instagram. And I'd already learned the connection, you know, that everyone was wanting on there, not just with health and fitness, but with me, with my life. And that really motivated me to just keep sharing all the ups and downs, all the challenges, everything I was up to, um, yeah, not just with health and fitness, but it's so, it's been so cool to witness and observe the journey of Instagram and how everyone has so much connection, so much opportunity, so much way, so many ways to learn from each other. It really is such a cool platform. But back then, yeah, there was zero expectations. So when it just exploded in front of me, and it definitely has been a massive part of my success, it's like, wow, cool. I, this is awesome that we have this opportunity. Back when my mum was younger, this wasn't around. So it's been really, really cool. I also think that's a great reminder that sometimes having a really low bar of expectations, actually, (laughs) it takes the pressure off you. Like you're not trying to reverse engineer success. You're just doing what you think is really good and then it happens to go really well. (laughs) That's like in life. If we have expectations on people and situations, on work, on outcomes, we feel disappointed because there's an expectation that it has to be like this. So if it doesn't happen, we're like, oh, So I think lowering our expectations or swapping expectations for appreciation is a really valuable lesson as well. So I think it was good not to have expectations because nowadays I even catch myself too, like if a photo doesn't get, you know, X amount of lights or engagement, I'm like, oh, I start to analyze it and I have to quickly Mm. snap myself out of that and just get out of that phase because it's not good. But um, back then when there's no expectations, you're just enjoying the ride and you're trusting that whatever happens, happens. That's a pretty cool way to live. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. So looking back from then to now, if you had to divide your story and the journey and the growth into sort of chapters, what would they be from the start to now? And are there any that you look back on that you sort of cringe over and go, oh my God, like maybe it was appropriate at the time, but obviously the world is changing so much. And I I think you're actually, you're meant to grow out of old chapters and into new ones. And if you don't cringe at what you were doing at one point in time, then you probably haven't evolved. So what, how would you break up the story from then to now? Yeah, definitely. Interesting question. I, I can see where you're coming from when you say that you, know, you kind of cringe at some of your chapters, but yeah, there's cringy moments. And especially being in, on a public platform, there's times where I have said things or done things that I look back and go, oh, Ash, what were you thinking? <laughs> And it's so much harder when you have an audience to judge and watch your mistakes. That was not fun. So there's a couple of cringy moments there for sure. But 
I have such gratitude for all of the lessons and chapters because honestly, if they didn't happen, I wouldn't have been forced to grow and learn and step up and raise my baseline. Um, so I, I'm really grateful for all the chapters. I think I see it as before my stepdad and after my stepdad. He was such mm. a massive, crucial part of my upbringing and why I'm here today. And then before, step, before my husband and now and then before my child and now. I feel like they're my chapters that have really shifted and shaped who I am. There's a couple of little ones in there, like, you know, we'll go into it later, trolling online. There's other little chapters in there that I think have really shaped me, but they're probably the main ones that I think we could dive deeper into if you wanted to. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we've got a whole section on the NATA, which I think is really important to look at how, as you've mentioned, and as the book actually, you're you're so good at dealing with this topic in the book, that it really is the negativity that forces you to grow. And in in the super cruisy times, you don't actually learn much. Like they're great, but nothing really (laughs) develops you as a person. You're just kind of riding the wave. But the balance, isn't it? It's like you need the hard times to grow, but then you don't, you don't want to always feel like you're having to strive and grow and achieve and be on this hustle and doing the work. Like sometimes you do just want to chill and enjoy life for what it is. It's, it's, it's a juggling act of finding that balance. Yeah, yeah, totally. So before we get to that, I'd love to ask, I think this is such an interesting pivotal moment for so many people when they go from just the hustle and not having really any expectations to suddenly realising I've made it like this is actually turned into a business. I can make my livelihood from this and I'm impacting people's lives. What moment do you remember as that all hitting you? Like you felt successful and looking back at how you measure success, have your metrics changed sort of over that time? Yeah, definitely. I think they've changed a lot, but let's go back to the first part of that question. When you asked, was there a moment There definitely was there was a moment when our first business, it exploded in a couple of weeks beyond anything I could ever, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people, you know, purchasing what we were selling online. That was like, wow, okay, I've made it. Oh my gosh, there's X amount of money in my bank. I'm helping this many people. I've got this many followers. Like back then I was, I was leading, I think, in, in that industry. So I thought that was successful, but mm. that didn't last very long, that feeling. So what I've learned over the years is yes, money and having followers and having, I suppose, a little bit of fame, even I thought, yes, that's cool and blah, 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 but it is not what makes me happy. Money definitely takes away stress, which can help with your happiness. But I think happiness is just such an inside choice. It's something every single day that I push to find joy in all the moments. It doesn't mean that every day is happy and positive and everything's smooth sailing. No way. There's challenges in your life, my life, everyone's life. Everyone listening will be thinking of 10 things that, you know, might not be going to plan. It might be hard, but I make a conscious choice every single day to find joy. And I think I can feel happy when I feel happy. That's when I feel most successful. Mm. Um, And also just contribution. Contribution is a massive, massive need of mine to always be giving back. If I'm not giving back and being outside of my little bubble, if I get stuck in my own head and stuck in my bubble and get into that, I suppose, victim way of living and I'm not contributing and helping the bigger picture and the community and I don't feel as successful. When I'm making a difference, Mm. that's when I feel yes, this is what I'm meant to be doing and this is what feels good. I think that's so interesting because I think a lot of us go through that kind of existential crisis of success where what you once thought Mm. were your milestones, you get there, they don't bring you the happiness that you thought and then you're sort of like, well, what is this all about then? Mm. And you realise that you can't attach your happiness to the things that will never 
fulfill you once you get there that like they're attainable but they're kind of not like it'll never be enough if you attach it to things that are just volume and you know numbers and stuff because you're always going to want more once you get there whereas if you turn it into an internal operation it's like you can have that every day regardless of what's going on around you and I think to have full emotional freedom is to not have any attachments to anything any person Mm. any situation any outcome, I think that is true emotional freedom and that brings a lot of happiness and like ease through life as well. And I think a lot of women, especially listening, will relate to this. Like they think when I get to this body weight, when I look like that, when I get this partner, that's when I'll be happy. And they spend, you know, six months, a year, five years working towards this goal because that's where happiness is, but they forget to enjoy that ride, that journey. And there goes five years of their life. Then they get that six back and they go, oh, what, what now? holy shit, what now? Mm. That's why I think detaching happiness as a destination and instead trying to look at happiness as a journey and find that every day. You have a choice on what you focus and what you focus on is what you feel. So if you focus on all the negatives, you're going to feel all of that. If you can focus on the positives, focus on the gratitude, focus on what you do have, not what you don't have, you will feel that. Oh my God, I'm so motivated and inspired right now. I'm like, this is why we love you. (laughs) (laughs) So before we move on to the next section, just from your actual technical training and fitness and nutrition side, I'd love to pick your brains while we have you because that is, you've become such an inspiration on lifestyle overall, but obviously have your beginnings in fitness and wellness and nutrition. So from a practical standpoint, if you had to leave people with maybe your three top fitness tips from all of your your past decade of learning and growing, what would they be? And I imagine that the mistake of attaching things to really tangible goals is probably one of them that you see quite often. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. My top three fitness goals, first of all, I, I would say find something you enjoy. Find movement and find food that you actually enjoy because if you are not enjoying what you're doing, say if you, if you told to me, if you said to me, Ashie, for you to lose weight, be fit, healthy and strong, you need to run 15 kilometers a day, 15 kilometers a day and eat chicken and broccoli five days a week. <laughs> there is no way I'm going to stick with that. So it is so important for me to find food and movement that really feels good for my body so that I stick with it because whatever you do consistently you are going to get a result. It's when you're jumping off and on and doing things you don't enjoy and cancelling. You know, if I, if I was going to go for a run tomorrow morning, I'm probably going to cancel because I don't enjoy it. You know <laughs> I mean? So finding something that you really enjoy is really important. Um, stop comparing. We can sometimes start on our health and fitness journey and if you're just starting, but I've been doing this for 11 years, you're comparing your chapter one with my chapter 30, mm. that's going to make you feel like shit. The comparison needs to stop. It just... It really does hold us back. Um, and I think the last one is, and definitely not not the least important one, it is so important, is to have support and accountability around you. Mm. It's great to think that you can keep your motivation and discipline by yourself, but at the end of the day, we're human and we thrive on connection and we thrive on doing things together. And I think having a tribe or just a backbone of support to help you through those days that are a bit challenging because there's going to be challenging days with health and fitness where you feel like giving up, where it feels too hard, where you're not getting the results that you expected to get and you want to go back into your old habits Mm. and you consciously have to make those decisions to keep going. So having a backbone of support is really, really important. People that are, you know, wanting to lift you up, wanting to meet you for that walk, wanting to help you choose healthy meals, like a partner even, your significant other, having them support you with your goals is really, really important. They'd be my top three. That's such a good one, that last one. I think Mm -hmm. just even from your journey to this point, you can see the impact 
both ways of significant people in your life, they really do shape your experience and how you feel about yourself. And that quote is just so true. You know, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, I love that one. Good to check in every now and again. I some, like even lately, I feel like my closest friends, the one I'm surrounding myself with, like we're all on this big growth journey. And that was such like a almost like a grieving of some older friendships that I still love them, but Mm. they can change and adapt. And when you check in with the five people that you're hanging around the most, I feel like they do really impact your energy and what you say and how you do things. So I, I do love that one. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it is important to recognize that the five people, depending on what you're going through, are not going to be the same at all times. It doesn't mean you don't have other friends. It's just the five that are in your most immediate, like the ones you're interacting with the most need to reflect what that period of time is for you. That season. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So in terms of nutrition, what are the things that you found that you do love? Like, for example, if you're on a desert island, what are three items of food that you couldn't live without? Yes, definitely. Anyone who follows me on social media, I am obsessed with sweet potato. I can't <laughs> get enough. I have it every single day, if not twice a day. I, Whether it's roasted, whether it's mashed, whether it's fried, whether it's in chips, whether it's even raw, I, I love it. Like I'm so passionate about sweet potato. I, You ask my husband or anyone, it is just so sweet potato, number one. Did you just say you're so passionate about sweet potato? I, I am because there's so much you can do for it. And it tastes so delicious and it's so satisfying. I love it. I do love it. If you ever come to my house, I will make you my favorite sweet potato dish. Oh, my God. <laughs> when I can go more than five kilometers from my house, I'm there, babe. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two would be frozen banana. Oh. Just because I, it's so yummy. It's the base of pretty much all of my smoothies. It makes things thick and creamy. You can make vegan ice cream out of it. I just think it's so versatile. It's such a staple ingredient. Mm. And then number three, which I know you'll agree with me, is my clean treats. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> because so they're just, they're just delicious. <laughs> and I'm all about living a healthy, balanced lifestyle, but also not depriving yourself of what you love. And I'm a sweet tooth, but I don't want to be blocking a, downing a block of Cadbury every single night because my body hates dairy. I don't want to eat all the processed crap. So clean treats are just a healthy alternative and there's lots of versatility with the flavors. So they'd be my top three yummy foods that I would have on my desert island. And they're also <laughs> so easy to make. Like my big barrier in the kitchen is like, I just don't, it's not my natural habitat, you know, like <laughs> I, it, I just get confused. Like it's really <laughs> yeah. overwhelming. I love that you just like, you just add like two or three ingredients, mix yeah. it all together and they're done. A hundred percent. So it's all about making it easy and maintainable because what you stick with is how you're going to get your results and enjoy it. Yeah, totally. So speaking of your product business and you also have a fashion line as well, that leads me to the fact that you're also a businesswoman on the side. I mean, like you have just so many things going on. How was moving into a product range, both in food and in fashion, from having been the product Mm. all that time like was that a really big adjustment how did you find that Mm. I feel like it's just such a different I've got kind of gone the other way from only being a product to now sort of being the service as well and it's they're totally different hard very hard (laughs) (laughs) as you would know logistically behind the scenes of going from online to product was very hard. But in saying that, I do have a a few different um, product-based businesses now, as well as, um, you know, my app. But baseline for me, having an activewear label, I want everyone to live their best life, but I also want them to have the best activewear. And I (laughs) live in activewear day in, day out is what you'll see me in, unless I'm going on a date night with my husband. But I have such a passion and a pull and a desire to create the best activewear. I love the whole process. I love the designing. I love the sampling. I love the marketing. I love the photo shoots. I love 
seeing all the girls in in baseline in my active wear so it, it was definitely challenging there's been a lot of ups and downs and even like little things like ordering too much stock and then collecting dust on a, on a shelf. Like there's so many challenges behind the scenes or website crashes or stock not arriving like Corona. This year has been so challenging just trying to get our stock. Um, but overall, yeah, it's hard, but I would not do any, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I absolutely love the whole process of it. And I feel like I'll be doing this when I'm 80. Like I, I love it. Wow. It's really cool how you started with one thing and then you've gradually added all these different elements as you've grown as well. And then out of the book. So you've, you've got yeah. like, you're operating all areas of your brain at once. But I feel like some people prefer to have that, not just one single focus, but they are fulfilled from like lots of different things at once. And I think, yeah, when I think about it, I'm like, whoa, I do have a lot going on. They seem to just, they really do flow because they all are interconnected. They're all still based around helping women with their confidence, helping women make healthy decisions with their lives, helping inspire, educate, motivate, lead women to build a healthy foundation. Like it all comes in and matches together where it's the clean treats, the active wear, my app, the book, like it's all got a purpose to help and to serve. So yeah, I find it really flowy. (laughs) Just flowy, you know, just flowy. (laughs) Before we continue with today's chat, a quick word from our partner and yay, Priceline Pharmacy. If you're anything like me, Priceline Pharmacy is your one-stop shop for all of your health, beauty and wellness needs. With new research revealing that 95% of Australian women feel stressed and often multiple times per day... Priceline Pharmacy wants to help you de-stress and refocus this spring, which couldn't be more important during these crazy times we're living in right now. The women in my life really are the pillars of my community. They're the carers, mums, sisters, aunts, grandmas, friends and colleagues who always put the needs of everyone else before their own. So looking after these women and helping them seize their yay should be the most important thing you do this spring. For advice on how to manage your stress and health, head into Priceline Pharmacy and speak to one of their amazing team members. Now back to the show. So two last quick questions before we move to the more juicy NATA section. One of the things that I find really inspiring about you is you've managed to integrate motherhood into your life in a way that it is a really difficult juggle to run your own businesses and especially when you do have a, an audience that's so big and that asks so much of you and then also have a child that you're trying to grow into the world and, and be a really present mom. So how has motherhood, you mentioned that that was one of your big chapter changes, how has that changed your views on your own health and fitness, on balance, on running businesses, on your expectations of yourself? on like you've written the book since then like how have the the sort of 15 lessons that have changed your life changed to the 15 that you might have had before you had a child yeah he changed everything for me I felt like I've always had a lot of purpose to help but he just gave me a whole new purpose on life and he is the driving force for me to continue to do my work to unpack my shit to (laughs) be a better person because I just want the best for him and I can't give him the best unless I'm being the best for myself. And that's where I want to really touch on and talk to you and the audience about making sure that we're looking after ourselves. Cause you know, a lot of women and people say like, Oh, I want to be the best I can be for my kids. But if we are not filling our own cup up and not looking after ourselves and not taking time to take care of our bodies and our minds, we're pouring from an empty cup. And one of my favorite sayings is I always want to give everyone around me the best of me, not the rest of me. Mm. So yes, I have my son, but he's not all I have. 
I'm a mum. Yes, I'm a wife. I'm a businesswoman. I'm ashy. I'm fun. I'm a friend. There's so many layers as to who I am. And I like to really honor all of those. And I think a lot of mums can get really lost in motherhood because they just give everything to their child, which, you know, is amazing. We want to do that. But for me personally, I think it's really important to make sure we're still living our lives for ourselves as well and doing things that light us up and make us happy and give back. And we're not dimming that side of us just to be a mum. I think we can have our cake and eat it all. I think I can be a mum and I can be a businesswoman. I can be sexy wife and I can be fun friend. I can be, you know, I've got so many parts of me and I don't ever want to shut any of them down because I don't believe that's me being my authentic self. And I want him to see that whatever he wants to live in life, whatever he wants to achieve, whoever he wants to be, he can do that. But I need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Mm. That's such a valuable reminder. I think a lot of women do see there's so much mum guilt because there are so many societal norms and expectations around what your what a dedicated motherhood sort of yes. looks like. Oh, I've talked about this so much. Even the comments I've got over the years, like, oh, you're a part-time mum. <gasps> yeah, that one comes flying at me a lot. And, you know, I, I see that for what it is. It's obviously got nothing to do with me. It's obviously highlighting something that they might be feeling or not knowing how to express, but there is so much mum guilt around. I think the word guilt, it's got a lot of heaviness to it. And when other mums come to me and say, do you ever feel mum guilt? Like, for sure. There's times where I'm like, oh, you know, I've spent a lot of time working this week where I could have been with Taj. That's his name. Um, (laughs) Just in case you don't know. Guilt is when you think whatever you're doing is wrong. And then there's shame around that. So when mums come to me and say, I feel so guilty. I've gone to the gym. So you've gone to the gym to work on your health, to work on your fitness and to clear your head, to work on your mental health. Should you feel guilty for all of those things? Mm. Do you come back more patient? Do you come back more happy? Do you come back healthy with more energy? You make better decisions with your food. Should you feel guilty around that? And when they hear all of that, it just changes their mindset to be like, oh God, why am I, why am I feeling guilty about going to the gym? Look how, much, how many positive um, effects come off from going to the gym. And I also say to them, would you, if I said to you, I'm feeling guilty of going to the gym, would you, would you make, would you reconfirm that? Say, yeah, you should feel guilty. You shouldn't have gone to the gym. You would never speak to your best friend like that. So why would you speak to yourself like that? All this respect and love and empathy and compassion that you have for all those around you that you care for, that you don't give that to yourself. Mm, it's such a such a valuable reminder and so much of what's really valuable about your message and particularly the book I found is that all 15 lessons and I'm not going to reveal them all to everyone here because they have to go and buy the book but all of them are just reframing Mm. they're not necessarily changing your circumstances because I think we we straight away go to like what do I need to change in my life it's like maybe you don't need to change anything maybe it's just the mindset that you bring to those things that changes like instead of guilt for exercising or taking time for you it's actually community service it's actually being a responsible person (laughs) and it's changing the meaning on things I think the meaning that we put on situations can really be powerful in a negative or a positive way and we get to choose So before we do, I keep saying before we move to the next section, I just have so much to talk to you about. This is so interesting. (laughs) With all the platforms and forums that you have, what led you to a book? What inspired you to think this is the right time for a new media and to put it in book form and to make it so concise? Like what sparked that kind of decision that I'm going to extend into something different, a different medium to the way that you usually communicate with your audience? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love Instagram. I love Snapchat. I'm a massive Snapchat person. It's, and I love YouTube. I love all the platforms, but I feel like I can only just touch the surface. 
I can speak about something and, you know, even on Instagram, I learned the other day, you can only have a hundred of those little squares at the top of your stories. And I have capped that quite a few times. So (laughs) yes, I can talk. Everyone knows I can talk underwater. But anyways, last year I was running these retreats for about 20 girls. So 20 women from, I was going to say just Australia, but a couple flew, flew over from America and Canada and we would come together for what I named the ultimate girls weekend. And the weekend was full of connection, laughter, good food, education, motivation, training, trip to Byron. Like it was just whatever you can think of in a girls weekend, like we brought it all together. And one of the talks that I did, we brought in lots of different experts, but one of the talks that I did with the girls was just the 15 lessons that changed my life. And I would talk to the girls for hours on this and they would ask questions. And it was just such this awesome like morning that we had together. And at the end, they were just like, wow, that lesson, like, that's going to change my life. I never thought about it like that. Or I I can relate to you on that. I've been through something similar. Thanks so much for talking about this. And I realized the impact that that one talk was having with these 20 girls. But I went, how can I get that to so many more? Mm -hmm. And yes, I could have done YouTube. I could have done this and that. But I just thought a book that everyone can go back and read and it's really easy to digest and they can take it at their own pace was a really good idea and I'm I'm really really proud of it and I feel like it will really change the lives of so many women it's very relatable it's very easy to digest the information um and I think even when you read it you might not connect with all the chapters right now but in a year's time you might go through something similar and go oh god Ashley spoke about that I'm going to back, go back and read that chapter and see how she figured out her way to get through that so I think the book's going to help so many people for different reasons so yeah I'm really proud of it I'm so glad that you are. I think that's one of the things about a book is it is really timeless and you can come back to it over and over. And it is, it's, there's something really beautiful about having a physical book in a digital world where I'll like see something really, really motivating that I will want to come back to in a year and I can't find the link or I haven't saved it or it's disappeared or when it's physical, you can go back to it. You can scribble in it. You can like leave post-it notes. I just, I love the nature of interacting with a book. And I think it's beautiful the way that you haven't overcomplicated it. It's beautiful. Like all the little icons and stuff, it's just such a a pleasure to read. And I think you can have a beautiful connection with someone in a digital world, but to have something in your hands that you're interacting with that you know you poured over to write and that I'm now like gain, it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience. It's special, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. So the big section, your nay TA, you know, starting from the narrative that you had to break, the self-doubt that came with that, you've talked about comparison, there's mum guilt, you've touched on everything. I know you've had a lot of trolling and I think that is a side effect of having a big influence. You've I kind of see it as you've kind of made it when, you, when you've got a hater, but it doesn't make it any less painful. There's just a world of negativity that I'm sure has come with building a profile over the last decade. So talk us through some of your toughest times, some of your biggest challenges. I think we get quite a skewed version of trolling or a skewed version of people's experiences because it's not that lovely to talk about. It doesn't sort of get the same airtime as the positive stuff. So yeah, just take us through the behind the scenes and then how you've dealt with that and, and keep bouncing back. I love talking about it and then I don't. I love talking about it because there is so many valuable lessons and I'm so proud of myself that I've gone through that and gotten out of it, but I never want to talk about it. And for anyone listening to think that I'm telling these stories to be a victim because I'm not, I'm actually so grateful for all of it. There's definitely been a lot over the years. And I think because I 
I started Instagram when it first started, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, as you do growing up, as you do in new careers, as you do in new relationships. We all make mistakes, but mine was just on a platform for millions of people to judge. Mm. Um, you know, some of the mistakes I made, I, I feel like saying back to these trolls or people, have you never done that before? Mm. Are you that perfect? You've never made a mistake before. And here you are judging me for, you know, falling over here or doing this and that. It's definitely been very challenging. I thought I was very thick, thick skinned um, until a couple of years ago, which I talk about this really deep in my book. Um, it's, it was the hardest chapter to write. And even when I was speaking on the audio book, I did an audio book for the book. I just cried. It was really, really hard to even revisit it. Mm. It was a, a tough time in my life where a group of girls decided to make a hate page. And I, I'm guessing it was almost like a gossip page. You know how we everyone talks about the Kardashians. Oh, did you see what Kim did here? And this is happened. Almost felt like I was an online reality show that they were very interested in and liked to gossip about it. So I think it started off as an innocent kind of gossip page, and they were screen recording and taking screenshots of everything. But you know, a couple of hundred girls turned to a couple of thousand, turned into ten thousands, and it got to a point where these women. I mean, we ended up having to take legal action. It was absolutely awful. Everything I did, everything I said, everywhere I went, I was followed, screenshot. It was posted in this forum. There was threats, you know, not just online, at my house, people following me home, threats of my son. It was awful. And at the start, I found it so hard and I was vocal about it being so hard and I tried to talk about it online, but the more I spoke about it, the more it fed them. Mm. and the more I spoke about it, the more I could also see the impact it had on my husband, on my mum, on my friends, on people around me. So that's when I started to shut down. I started to think, oh, I'm going to put on a brave face. I'm going to pretend nothing's wrong. I'm going to suppress it. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And obviously you can only do that for so long. Mm. And then it got to the point where I just, I honestly didn't want to get out of bed anymore. I had this beautiful two-year-old son, two or three must have been. I had an amazing supportive husband, had all these friends and family, so many beautiful women online that loved me and supported me. But the hate was just overriding all. And I got to a point where I just, I didn't want to be here anymore. I thought the only way this pain and this suffocation of people watching me and criticizing everything I do was to go. And obviously that at that point was the point that I reached, reached out for help and thank goodness I did. And I, I knew I would never actually go and do something to myself, but I just didn't know. I didn't think there was another option for this to stop. And I also thought, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting through this just, but what about all the other people that are doing this too? Like maybe if I was to end my life, maybe then they'd learn and they wouldn't do this anymore. Maybe that would be a standpoint of, oh, we, we can't troll because look at the impact it has on everyone. Mm. That was where my mind was at. It was, it was awful. Um, so I reached out and I got two life coaches and I had sessions with them for six months. It cost us an arm and leg, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Once again, they taught me so much about why people do the things that they do, about compassion, about human psychology. And I learned so much. And I'm so grateful for that experience now because I feel like I have such a valuable lesson to teach and I've gotten through it and I can inspire and help other women get through really tough times, not just with online trolling, but I promise you there is always a way out of things. There is always someone that cares for you. There is always someone to listen. There's always someone that can understand. It's just being brave enough to stand up and go, hey, I'm not okay. Mm. That's my story of trolling in a nutshell. It was an awful one, but I'm really grateful for the experience um, and what it's taught me and how it's shaped me. And I've built so much resilience as well, which is so invaluable. I don't think I can get that from much else, but going through a really, really tough time. And I'm so grateful that you 
do talk about it despite it being really painful and just icky because it does fuel the cycle sometimes when mm. you you do talk about it, it kind of gives the trolls a satisfaction that they've had an impact in your life and you kind of just don't even want to talk about it at all. But Yeah, that's why I avoided it. Yeah, but I think it's so important to talk about firstly because so many people who see the real highlights of your life aren't in a position where they could ever understand. There's no equivalent in their life of trolling at the scale that you get it. And it's so important to remind people that this happens. Like I think people don't know otherwise. They don't know the risks of like imagine it's so hard to explain, but it's like if everyone's self-doubts and their worst fears were actually being voiced all day, every day. Like that's the closest I can kind of describe it as. And I think it's important that people know that this happens and know then what your strength actually is to have come through that and know that it can be like social media can be a very damaging and scary and overwhelming place, but you can build the tools to face even the harshest of criticism that's like a total barrage at you 24-7. You can still build the tools to come through and find confidence and joy and find the excitement in your life again because anything negative does for a while. It takes the joy out of everything you do. Yeah, 100%. But I think the fact that you've found it again is really inspiring for others that no matter what the challenge is, digital or not, that you can get help, get therapy, talk to friends, build the right support network and be able to build that resilience back up again against any kind of negativity. A hundred percent. And what I always love to say too is you can always find a lesson in something too. And if you can find a lesson, that's your gift. Life is happening for you, not to you. That happened for me to help me grow, to help me heal even old wounds of high school bullying, you know, lots of stuff resurfaced because I hadn't healed it. There's so much, so many gifts that can come in the most challenging, painful times and we might not see them straight away, but I think if we can hunt for them, we can find the gift and it can make the whole situation worthwhile and a lot lighter. Mm, Oh my God. I just, I have so much admiration for you. I've had like two haters and it literally bowled me over for weeks and weeks and weeks and took all the joy out of everything I was doing. And I I just, it's tough whether it's one comment and you've had two and I've had probably thousands. Kim Kardashian probably gets millions on the daily, you know, no matter what it is, it's all valid. I don't, I don't like the comparison. I'm like, Oh, I have girls come to me sometimes. Oh, I know you've had it so much harder, but I'm really struggling with this one. I shouldn't be upset because of this one. And I said, you're not a robot. Yes, you should be upset. That is valid for you to feel like that. It doesn't matter how many I've had. It's not a comparison of who has it harder. Mm. If that's how you feel, that's your truth. And we need to, let's, let's sit with that and let's work through that. So whether you've had two or thousands, it's all valid. It's never, it's never nice to experience or to have someone say things about you or assume things about you or spread rumors about you or post your ugliest photo. You know? <laughs> It's not fun. <laughs> no one wants to go through that, really. <laughs> and I also think it's good for people who haven't had that experience and who don't necessarily live on the platform as, in the way that we do to understand that I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you put yourself out there, you put a lot of your life online, so you kind of you invite that. And I think even with like Hollywood-level celebrities, people say that, that it's like, yeah, you get hate, yeah, you get splashed all over the media, but you kind of put yourself out there. But I don't think anyone putting themselves out there invites attacks on your children, invites stalking, invites like it's important to remind people it's not, it is a necessary outcome of having a profile because that's how the landscape works. There will always be jealousy and tall puppy syndrome, but it shouldn't be that way. Like it's not normal. It's not a normal level of just subtle criticism. It's like open attacks and physical world following and stuff that you've had to deal with. And I don't like that comment of, um, 
oh, well, you know, you should expect that because you put yourself out there. It's like, it almost validates that it's like, is that right then? Is that okay for them to do that? It is never okay for bullying. And we are losing mm. too many people, not just young, older, from online trolling. Like when it needs to stop, it does. I'll always be an advocate for standing up for it, it not being okay. Mm. I'm so glad it happened to me and not a 13-year-old girl that couldn't handle it and tipped her over the edge. I'm so grateful they were on me because I got mm. through it. But you never know the impact of your words. You don't know. You're saying one little comment to someone online, that could be the last straw for them when they've already gone through losing their mum to cancer, they've gone through their house being robbed, they've lost their job, their partner's cheated. You know, you don't know what they've gone through. And then your tiny comment is just that one more that just they say no too much. Your Mm. words can have such impact and we need to remember they can be so powerful in a negative and a positive way. So just choose your words wisely. Oh gosh, Ashley, that's, I mean, that if, if anything comes out of you sharing that experience, mm-hmm. that's what I hope that people take from it, just to remember the impact of their words, but also to remember from a positive side that the one thing you say could be the thing that pushes someone over the edge towards their joy or towards their dream. You, your words really matter. And I think we forget that yes. because we're like, oh, I'm not famous. Like they're not listening to me. It's, yeah. A hundred percent. We should be cheering for each other and pushing each other, encouraging each other. It definitely works on the other end of the spectrum as well. So from the other end of the spectrum, something I've found uh, just over the past, I think maybe 18 months or two years is there's of course the negative side of overconnection in the digital world, but I've learned you can also overdo it in a positive way. Like you can have too much of a good thing as well. Everything that you do when you love your job doesn't feel like work, which means it's very hard to put in boundaries because people are messaging you and you are impacting their life and you want to be part of it and you want to show that you appreciate their support so much and reply to every message and all that kind of thing. But I think on the flip side of that, social media draws you in on in a good way because you do have this platform and community, but then it does consume all of you and can easily lead to burnout and you're overconnected and you don't have time in the real world and you don't get to just switch off. So how do you deal with that overconnection and that I, I have such an internal people pleaser that I feel like I do want to acknowledge every comment and I do want to sort of live on the platform to just like show my gratitude. But sometimes you have to just have a boundary to preserve your like yourself. Yeah, no, I totally hear you, totally feel you, totally understand. Live it daily. <laughs> <laughs> Live it daily. I'm exactly like you. I am just so appreciative of every comment, every DM, every like that I want to acknowledge everyone and make sure they feel that I'm so grateful. Um, I think over the years I've gotten a lot better at setting boundaries and just being better at my time management. So, you know, yes, I'm very consumed in my work and I love it. So I find it very hard to stop working, but I also love being a mom. I also love having date nights. I also love my girlfriends. I also love going to get a massage. I also love listening to CZA on my morning walk. You know, (laughs) there's so many other things that I love doing that I set boundaries for all of that. And if I don't get to have my cake and eat it too, I use that quite a lot, but if it gets to all the things that I love and enjoy, then I don't feel balanced. I don't feel as happy. So I just am very good at planning my week and making sure that I'm incorporating all the things that make me happy, which include, yeah, family time, work, my own time, self-care, all of that. And when I don't do that, I I definitely feel out of balance. And there is seasons and times, I'm not saying I'm perfect, there is seasons and times, especially around an activewear launch. Like my whole week is consumed with shoots, building the website, making sure everything's, you know, ready to go. There is a lot of, I suppose, I don't want to say stress, that's the wrong word, but high energy. And it needs my focus that even, you know, next week, we're shooting and we're getting ready for the campaign. And I've already said to Steve, my husband, like, 
you know, he will need to do more of the parent life stuff because I'm going to be at work more. There's different seasons. So it's like being accepting of those times, but overall trying to find that balance of being connected everywhere. Get off your phone, be connected to yourself, to your partner and online. It's not just not just the online world. Mm, yes. Easy to forget, but important to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to mention in the NATA section before we move on? Yeah, I, I would love to talk about just thinking of that NADA is change. I feel like as we grow up, we change so much. We change our careers. We change who we are. We change our friendship groups, how we eat, how we move. I often joke to my husband and say, God, I feel like you've married seven different women. I wonder how many women you're going to marry because I change all the time. Yeah, I'm okay with the change, but I feel like online or I don't know, maybe even in different friendships or people around you, they can struggle with seeing the change or who you used to be. And I think we need to give a little bit more recognition to the change in our, us evolving. And mm. to put it into perspective, when I first started, my first business was the Ashy Bynes Bikini Body Challenge. Oh, my God, it was. Yeah. So it was this 12-week challenge that was all around Australia, thousands of girls getting amazing results. It was, you know, where we built everything to what it is now. It was amazing. But all I was posting was me in bikinis. It was revolved around everyone looking good in a bikini because that's what I was hearing everyone wanted. So I feel like for so long, and even now, I get put into this box of being this bikini girl or the fitness girl. I'm like, hang on a second. There's so many more layers to me, and I've changed and evolved so much. It used to be, I used to want to just look in a bikini. That was my focus for so many years. I trained so hard. I ate so well. It was my focus. That was what I wanted to be. And that's definitely changed. (laughs) Of course, we want to look look good and feel confident, but there are so many layers to me and I've evolved so much as a human. I think it's really important to remember that we all do change and evolve and to love and have compassion and patience and love for people as they do change and grow. Mm, oh, that's such a good point, particularly in this year where everything is changing constantly and the one constant is change. I think we are by default creatures of habit and we do mm-hmm. we do attach, you know, that word we were talking about before, attachment. We do attach to how we think things are and then get really unsettled when they change dramatically. But I think you're right. I think we're meant, like we said before, everything happens in chapters or seasons and they're meant to change. They're meant to roll over. You're meant, if like my partner and I, Nick and I have been together for 11 years, if we hadn't been with seven other versions of each other, I'd be worried. Like I'd be like, oh, well, I'm still 19 year old me. Like that's a real issue because she was drunk and like. (laughs) (laughs) One last question on ATA that actually I hadn't thought of until now, but having been there really forging and blazing a trail in this industry before it even really was an industry and then adapting to a completely different market that is changing all the time and that has new entrants and that has changed in what people want as well. I think the need for connection and authenticity is kind of new. Like at the beginning, it was a very polished and preened platform, whereas now it's people are wanting a bit more as as we all evolve and change with these times. How have you dealt with comparison, with that need to keep innovating and keep doing different things and be new and fresh, but having such a saturated market now? And it's, I find that it, it, you get so easily drawn into like, oh, she's doing that and I want to do that. And it's really hard to just keep the blinkers on and stay focused on why people come to you for what you do differently. And I think we 
often see something and our first reaction is every way that it's different to what we're doing, I must be doing it wrong. Like, oh, my God, she's doing that. And especially in an industry that is the big players are all on digital, so you see it all constantly. Like how do you stay focused in that environment? Yeah, I've really struggled with that over the last couple of years. I think once again this year has been my word of the year was alignment. Mm -hmm. And the last couple of years I felt a little bit out of alignment in trying I was stuck in comparison of watching what everyone else was doing in the industry. And there was so many different ways to eat and move. And I just wanted to people please and like have a platform that catered for everyone and have every single option. And I got so stuck in that rabbit hole of doing things that really weren't aligned with me. And I was, you know, trying to have this meal plan and this, this way to do things. And I was like, Oh, it's not actually how I like to live and how I like to teach. And at the start of the year, I sat down with my team and I just said, it's just not feeling aligned. Yes. I want to help. And yes, there was this foundation of healthy eating and moving their body, but I just want to bring everything back to balance. And when I first started, it was all about clean eating. It was all about moving our bodies, having fun in a group environment, I'd be supported and I got lost in this comparison and trying to fit everything in and keep up with this trend and that trend and that way to eat. And this year, I just went, scrap my old app. We completely put that to the side, started a whole new app that's very, very balanced. It's very simple. There's lots of variety, but it's very easy to use. And it's how I live. It's how I teach. It's how I am with my son. Like I brought it all back to what really does feel true to me. And I still have moments where I'll see someone else in the industry doing that. I'm like, oh, should I be teaching more about calorie counting and macro? No, I don't want to be focused on numbers. They Mm. want to teach like that. Cool. There's be people that want that. They can go to them. But for me, that's not for me. So I catch myself, but it is hard because it's flashed in front of your eyes all the time and you want to be succeeding and being doing this and that. But I just always bring it back to making sure I'm grounded and sticking true to what is a value to me and how I feel like I can show up to be the best person I can be for everyone that does want my help. I think extrapolating that for outside of the fitness industry and outside of the digital world as well, I think all of us kind of do go through a really intense comparison phase where we just mimic what everyone else is doing because we feel like that's what we were lacking and we do get lost and suddenly if you're pleasing everyone, you're not actually pleasing anyone because not everyone's the same. And then finally you have like this moment where you realize actually you've lost yourself entirely and you come back to like it's, it's almost like a rite of passage, like you have to kind of get lost in all of that to come back to what really matters. 100%. It's like when you hit rock bottom, the only way up, yeah. up like the push you've got is to go up. It's, that's the beauty in it, isn't it? That's yeah. the gift. <laughs> so the final section is play TA, where we do strip back all the layers that we have gone through. Ashy is a mom, Ashy is a businesswoman, Ashy is a trainer, like all the different use that you are, which is not to discount any of them. They all play such an important role, but there has to be an Ashy that isn't productive, that isn't on brand that isn't even thinking about all of those things and that's just playing and when you love your job it's like you don't ever feel like you need that but I think that's maybe when you need it most because you can't be fresh and creative when you're not just doing things just just for for the sake like shits and giggles so what do you do for play yeah I do so much I mean last week I had my first lesson flatboarding have you heard of that it's like a surfboard that you like it's got this machine underneath it amazing yeah it goes above like a river or the beach or whatever I'm not in the waves yet and it, it was actually quite a hard hard sport to learn but did that it was amazing um last couple of weeks I bought a skateboard and I've been learning how to skate I'm not very good at it. 
but isn't that the thing? I feel like your play TA is usually something you're comfortable with being a beginner at and you don't care about getting better at. Yeah, and I, I'm quite an athlete. Like I've always picked up sports quite easy, so it's definitely a challenge. And my little boy's really into scootering at the moment, so we're going out to the skate park and we practice scootering and skateboarding, so that's fun. But I think having having a barb like who's not a barbie's five anymore, <laughs> <laughs> having a small human, <laughs> you really bring out that playful side in you. And um, I'm definitely more cautious. Like I want to wear my knee pads when I skateboard now, whereas when I was younger, I <laughs> too. But um, yeah, having fun is so important. And as you get older, I think we forget to have fun. And I always want to keep that big kid alive inside me. Yeah. So that's why I try to do new things and adventure out on the weekends and just, yeah, always have fun. I think it's so important. Otherwise, you're just working to live, you know? Exactly. I always say you're not here to work and die. Like that is just not the point. I mean, you could spend your whole life doing that, but that's clearly you'd be missing out on the entirety of just like the joy and seize the yay. I actually got asked by my publisher whether I really was stuck on the word yay because they're like, it's too childish. Like it's really juvenile. And I was like, right. (laughs) That's it exactly why I use it because we lose that childlike sense of wonder and everything is too serious. And it reminds me to just be playful and just look stupid and not care about it, like fall off a skateboard and like, who cares? You know, we don't like just throw our bodies around like idiots anymore because we're so serious and we're so not productive. Cool anymore, worried what people are going to think or does it make us look not professional or not on brand? Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Got to gotta keep that yay, that play. Do you do any dumb things like just Netflix binges or like? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Netflix. I've gone through some <laughs> series. We're actually watching Alias at the moment, which was filmed with Jennifer like oh my god 15 years ago (laughs) that is a blast from the past it's so good because you know when you watch a series and then they've only got like three episodes and you have to wait for the next one this is like seven seasons so we are like immersed in alias at the moment so I (laughs) I love that switch off too it makes me just forget about work forget about stress forget about everything else and I'm just like immersed in this other world it's just nice to relax totally we've gone back to the start of Hawaii Five-0 because there were 11 seasons good one I was like, I don't even care what the show is about. I just know there's 11 seasons, so I'm not going to run out really quickly. Yes, that's exactly what we were thinking. Love it. <laughs> uh, and second last question to finish up, what are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? And I know this is hard because you do share a lot. So <laughs> give us three things we wouldn't normally hear about you. I'm thinking your audience might not have even heard of who I am before, so they probably haven't heard this about me, but there's a couple. I am terrified of flying, like going on a plane, um, and if anyone wants to look at my social media, I travel, well, not since COVID, but before that, I travel a lot for work, for pleasure, interviews. Like, I love travel. I love traveling, but actually getting on the plane is really hard. I get massive anxiety. I shake. There's, like, there's even, I've, I filmed her like a reality series for YouTube and there's one clip where I'm in the back and you full see me go into my panic attack. <gasps> it is really bad. I've gotten better over the years because I've learned ways to breathe and like distract, but that's huge. I'm absolutely terrified of flying. I would rather be thrown in a pool of sharks than die in a plane accident. Like, wow. Also, you are far too humble. I feel like everyone in my audience has heard of you. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Another funny thing is I hate, I hate avocado. I feel like everyone loves avocado and I hate avocado. Okay. I can't cope with that. You're in health and wellness. No, it's, it's, just the taste, the texture, the smell, the look of it. I'm like, ugh, that is just not a cute type of 
That's not cute. <laughs> I really don't like it, but you'll love me because I put frozen avocado in my smoothies because of the benefits and I can't taste it. It makes it nice and thick and creamy, but I just, I hate it. It's just such a gross food. Oh my God. It is the actual best food in there. It's a staple of everything. Like no, how do you it, even be a health and wellness person? I know. I know. Right. Everyone gets very shocked at that. And the last thing would be is I love, love, love tattoos. I think. <gasps> Tattoos on men are just so sexy and tattoos on women when they like tell a story, I think so cool. I have one, two, three, four, five, I have six tattoos. They're all in like places that are quite hidden, like on my wrists, in my toes, like on my fingers, my ankles. Yeah, little ones like you've got. Um, I love tattoos. I just, anyone with a tattoo, I'm like so curious on what it is and tell me the story behind it and the art of it and the feeling of getting them done like I love tattoos wow would you go like a full sleeve I I I wouldn't know myself and I really wished my husband loved them he's the opposite of me hates them hates them I'm like damn it I find them so sexy like always picture myself with a man with like a full sleeve he hates them oh my god so he doesn't even have one he has what he has two my name and and Taj's name but purely I think because of a bit of pressure from me I'm like let's get back (laughs) tattoos he hated it he hates he hates tattoos he hates getting them done he doesn't like them at all wow oh my gosh I I wish he liked them and he got a full sleeve but it's not going to (laughs) happen you can maybe get like when technology gets better you can get one of those like printed ones that you can just have on for like a little while and just just enjoy it wear this (laughs) and last question since I love quotes so much what's your favorite quote Oh, there's so many. And I love listening to your daily quotes that you put on Instagram stories. They're just (laughs) so awesome. My favorite is you grow through what you go through. So I think everything that you were going through, you were going to grow through it. And that's Mm. once again, just find that lesson, find the gift, find that little pearl of wisdom that is going to, it's going to elevate you in whatever area of your life, everything you're growing through everything you're going through, you are going to grow through it. And that's just, I think there's such a motivation every single day that no matter what life throws at me, I'm going to grow through it and come out the side more wiser, more stronger, more lessons to teach. Oh my gosh. I think that represents you so well. That's such a good one. And you've left us with so many pearls of wisdom. Everyone, you have to get your hands on Ashley's incredible new book. It's a wonderful (laughs) resource for growing through what you go through. You're such an inspiration, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. I really hope everyone enjoyed it. And I, I always love talking to you. So thanks for having me. If any of you walk away each week with either a new perspective on life or a new perspective on our guest, I have more than done my job and I walked away with both today, so I hope some of you did too. As always, it absolutely makes our day to hear your takeaways or reflections from these chats, so please do share this episode tagging at Ashley Bynes and myself so we can reshare. And of course, don't forget, there are some amazing weekly giveaways now in the Yeighborhood Facebook group too. I somehow always forget to remind you guys, but if you haven't actually hit the subscribe button or left a review of you're enjoying the show, please do take a quick moment to do so now so we can keep growing the neighborhood as far and wide as possible. It means so much at this end to get your feedback, but of course I know it's so easy to forget. I do it all the time. So just a little gentle reminder, if you can spare a second or two, we're on the home stretch now of a huge year. So I hope you're being kind to yourselves and seizing your yay.